It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Good morning. Good to see you this morning. This is the final week of our series, You'll Be Glad You Did. I want to start today by just kind of throwing out a disturbing thought. It's good to be disturbed every once in a while, so, you know, you'll be fine. And it's this. The easiest person to deceive is the person in the mirror. So when it comes to deceiving me, I'm the best at it. And when it comes to deceiving you, you're the best at it. And I know this and, and you know this because you've, we've already talked ourselves into some of the worst decisions we've ever made. We made the sales pitch and we thought that sounds great and we signed up and it was a terrible, terrible idea. And here's the reality. For all of your bad decisions, you were there when they were made. Every single one of them. In fact, in many cases, you and I were the mastermind behind the greatest regret we have today. In fact, the truth is most of us, we have done more to undermine our own progress and our own success than anybody else on the planet. Now, if you came to church this morning wanting to hear something uplifting and encouraging and hope-filled, you picked a terrible day because this is not it. (laughs) Now, look, I understand there's always outside pressures and outside voices and, and things beyond our control, but even then, we responded. And we reacted and the reality is that reactions are in fact decisions. It's almost like there's a salesperson in our head. And every now and then the salesperson in our head, who by the way, their voice sounds a lot like you, starts making a pitch and the pitch defies all logic, all reason, all rationale. And you're like, hmm, interesting. Because... This is the kind of the absurdity of it. If you actually walked into like an in real life situation and this, there was an actual salesperson pitching to you some of the stuff that you pitched to yourself, you would be offended. You'd be like, come on, what did, what did they pay you for this? You know, like you walk into the store and the salesperson, you, you, you say, oh, I'm, I'm thinking about maybe upgrading my television. They're like, okay. And they show you around and they ask you, you know, like what's your budget? And you tell them what your budget is. And, and then, they, then they take you to the, the, the section that's just a bit above your budget, maybe a lot above your budget. And they start telling you, listen, look, I know you can't afford it, And you've already told me that you're up to your eyeballs in consumer debt, but look, you only live once, just take it anyway. And you'd be like, but we pitch that sort of idea to ourselves all the time. Look, I know he's an incredible jerk 
and I know He treats you terribly and, is, and that's never gonna change. He's always gonna treat you terribly, but come on, let's face it. Better some bad love than no love at all, right? You're like, what? That is, makes no sense. But too often we sign up for it anyway and we do it over and over. So I just wanna ask two questions today. First question is, why do we do this? And secondly, is there anything we can do about it? Is there anything we can do to change? And here's the thing, by the way, in some uh, schools of sociology, they'll tell you that there's nothing you can do about it. That you're always gonna be buying into the worst version and the worst ideas yourself. And here's the thing, for the record, I don't believe that because I believe in a God who's the God of the impossible and He is in the transformation business. So even if up to this day, you've been the mastermind of your own regrets, it is possible for God to do something and do something profound, but it's gonna require something. Uh, you want answers? I think I'm entitled. You So that's the question we're asking today. Can you handle the truth? Channeling my inner Jack Nicholson. Is he still alive? Anyway, um, I know he was spotted uh, in the wild a few months ago at an LA Lakers base, uh, basketball game. So not looking too good. But, um, so we've taught this series and it's really, it's, it's, here, it's timeless advice for troubled times. It's unoriginal not always necessarily glamorous, not always like, oh, I've never thought of that before, but it's the sort of stuff that if we put it into practice, it will actually have the potential to take us in a better direction. And it's all around this big idea of wisdom. One of the, the superpowers of wisdom is wisdom fills in the gaps when we're not sure what the right thing to do is when it's not always clear, when we don't necessarily have the experience or the background or wisdom fills in the gaps. And wisdom, if we listen to wisdom, will actually oftentimes help us from avoiding more regrets in our lives. So you can go back and uh, listen to that on our podcast platforms, check out any of the first three weeks today, asking the question, can you handle the truth? And I'm gonna zero in, on some actual important questions. These will sting a little. The sort of questions like, why do you do what you do? Why don't you do what you ought to do? Uh, why won't you stop? Uh, why do you always go there? Uh, why didn't you finish? And why won't you finish? And these are sort of like, they're tough questions. They're challenging questions, but they're important questions. And here's the thing. When we ask these sorts of questions of other people and they kind of offer us some like not very honest answers, we just call them excuses. And unless it's somebody in our care, we just kind of nod and move on. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, tell yourself whatever you want. But why would we brush ourselves off if we find that we're not telling ourselves the truth. And here's what I wanna promise as we start this brand new year, 2024. Here's what I, I wanna promise to you. If you start or continue to be ruthlessly honest with yourself about some of these very challenging, very probing, sometimes disturbing 
questions and you start acting on the, the necessary steps, the necessary changes, the necessary progress, then actually in a pretty short period of time, you're going to look in the rearview mirror and you're going to be saying to yourself, who is that person? Like you'll barely recognize them. But here's the, here's the wild thing. That person is the person you are today. The person I am today. God always wants us to move towards the version of the me, the version of the you that He created us to be. But the fun fact is that we're all very capable liars. I know it sounds a bit harsh. Parents, you're like, uh, nope, sounds about right. Because think about it, has anyone of significance in your life ever needed to take you aside and say, listen, ah, I've got some very important uh, life advice. There's, there's this list of skills that are essential and you have to learn them. And, 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 and it's, it, it, these are that. You need to learn how to lie. You need to learn how to deceive. Like, has your boss ever done this with you? Did your parents do this? Did a teacher ever do this? And say, yeah, and, and, and excuse and blame, because these are critical things. No one's ever had to teach us this. In fact, you and I, we started doing this from a very young age and nobody showed us. We just kind of started doing it. And if we're not careful as we continue to grow in time, we might not necessarily automatically grow in maturity and we might keep doing these things actually to ourselves and to our detriment. All right, let me just lighten the mood with some fun facts about lying. The research suggests that men and women, generally speaking, typically lie for different reasons. And just so you know, spoiler, uh, women come out looking better in this research. The research indicates that uh, the typical reason that women lie is to avoid hurting other people's feelings. And you're like, oh. And then men, this is not gonna be a shocker, generally lie about themselves to impress. I caught a fish this big. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> But actually the research, it also gives some clues and points to the motivation for why people typically lie. And they slice it into these three big areas that generally speaking now, now first of all, I'm talking here about why we might lie to other people. And this first category is we lie to avoid, to avoid pain, to avoid shame, rejection, embarrassment, loss, hurting somebody's feelings, to avoid having to do work, <laughs> and to avoid being caught. Then there's this one to protect, to protect our reputation, which by the way is bonkers when you like lie to people to protect your reputation because what you're actually saying in that moment is the version that I want you to think of me is more important to me than the actual version of me. So like, okay. But protect relationships, protect opportunities, protect income. And then there's this idea that we lie to win, to win admiration, respect, that promotion, even to win a competition, which in the sporting world is called cheating. 
We typically link this list, and I mention this to other people, but actually this same list rings true, the research indicates rings true for actually why we lie to ourselves as well. I'm gonna come back to that in a moment. Again, I'm gonna lighten the mood. Here's, here's the game you can all play at home. The research indicates that there are three major things that we consistently lie to ourselves about. Just think of it for a moment. Just think about what those might be, or even just one. What do you think? What do you think one of the top three things we lie to ourselves about is? Any, any, anybody brave enough to yell out what you think one of the three might be? Anybody? Okay, not on the list, but probably on your list, uh, uh, obviously. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. Jeez, what a very creative crowd we have here this morning. All right, let me bring it in. Uh, the three uh, things that we lie to ourselves about the most is how much we actually eat, how much alcohol we actually consume, and how much we actually exercise. So... You're like, ah, that must be other people's problems. Yeah, sure. Now, back to the list. Because this same list applies, I mentioned it earlier, to why we might lie to ourselves. First of all, to avoid. And this is really the, like the biggest and first stumbling block. And if we can't get past this one, then it's kind of like everything else doesn't really matter. This, this one to avoid, to avoid admitting that we actually need to change in an area or some areas. Lie to ourselves to protect. You know, like sometimes like you might lie to other people so that they don't learn some embarrassing facts or something embarrassing, but sometimes we even lie to ourselves because we don't like to admit something that's, you know, we know is embarrassing. Maybe shameful things for the past or shameful things that are going on right now or even just from the reality of what a stupid decision I just made. So we, and then to win. We lie to ourselves to win because nobody wants to feel like a loser. And I get, that's a great goal. It's a great destination, but if the pathway to that is predicated on lies, then it's actually a terrible pathway to get this. So this idea, we lie to ourselves to feel better about ourselves. But the problem here is when we lie to ourselves to feel better about ourselves, we avoid doing the thing or things we need to do to become a better version of ourselves. It, it empowers us to avoid change. But look, sometimes it's easier to lie than to try. And we kind of sit behind that. Some of you are in sort of uh, management, uh, maybe some own your own business or you've been in some positions of, uh, of uh, we've, you've hired some people in, in your workplace. Um, here's a pretty standard practice. If you've ever been in the position where you've hired somebody and, and then over a period of time, you, you've discovered that they're actually a little bit of a liar. Like the very, like, because that's a problem, right? Because you don't know if you can trust them. And then that starts to breed some toxicity among the workplace and other colleagues that know if they can trust them. You do something very simple. Eventually you fire 
the liar. You hired the liar. You just didn't know they were a liar because the only place anyone looks perfect is on their resume. But then they get into the workplace and you discover, "Uh uh-oh, this person's a liar. You fire the liar. Here's what I want to invite us to do today. If there's any area that you've sort of been hiding behind some self-deception, hiding behind a lie, then I want to invite you to do that very same thing. Fire the liar. And then hire the honest version of yourself, even if initially that's gonna feel a little bit painful. Initially, it is absolutely worth it. Even if initially it makes you feel bad about yourselves. Because here's the thing, contrary to what our culture teaches us, there are worse things in life than feeling bad about yourself. In fact, one of the things that's worse than feeling bad about yourself is, is, is hanging on to a lesser version of ourselves. And actually, if we start to address the lesser version and allow God to, to, to create and, and take us to the place that He wants us to be, we'll have less reason to feel bad about ourselves and more reasons to feel good about ourselves. And this is a Jesus principle. Very famously, Jesus said these words, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now in this context, Jesus was talking about the truth of who He is, that He's the Son of God, He abandoned heaven, He came, died in our place. If you put your faith in Him, you'll receive eternal life, have your relationship with His Father restored. That's the specific truth that Jesus was referring to here. But it's actually a universal principle that all truth, will ultimately set us free. That, that slicing and dicing and zeroing in on what's true and acting on what's true will also ultimately lead us in our lives to greater freedom. Because here's the big idea. Lies lose their power in the light. If you've ever been in a relationship and, and stuff's like swept under the table and stuff's hidden, you know, it's, it's, it's destructive. And then if you put yourself in a position where you start to put, and those, some of those uh, lies come out and they're on the table, then with a commitment to working towards truth, lies lose their power in the light. That's true of relationships with other people, but it's also true of the relationship with us. Lies lose their power in the light. Now, we are 18 minutes in, and I've just shared one little piece of the Bible. And some of you might be thinking, this sounds a lot more like Dr. Phil than church. Cool. Well, I wanted to get us to this place. This place, which is a letter or a slice of a letter that a guy named Paul wrote. So if you've got your smartphone camera or you've got your paper Bible, jump there or scan this if you've got your camera. It's going to take you to Philippians chapter 4. Now, Philippians is a letter. He's written by Paul. He's like an Elon Musk entrepreneur, leader of the early church, went around launching churches. And then he would keep in touch with them with instruction and encouragement and sometimes correction by writing letters. And we have access to some of those letters today. This letter is super unique because actually Paul wrote this letter whilst he was imprisoned in Rome. The emperor was a guy named Nero. And let's just say Nero wasn't particularly fond of Christians. He he made life very, very difficult for them. Or if you consider burning them alive difficult, you know, uh, there's that. Uh, And especially the leaders of Christianity, like they copped it the worst. So Paul was in prison in Rome and awaiting trial. And in those days, the Romans, they didn't have a set trial schedule. They were just like, ah, we'll get to you when we get to you. 
So you're not only in prison, you, you don't know how long you're going to be there for. There's typically trumped up charges. You're like, well, guilty of talking about Jesus. And he wrote this letter from that place. And actually this letter has become known throughout history as the letter of joy, which is kind of bonkers when you think about where he wrote it from. We taught a whole series late 2023 around this chapter four called Chasing Happy. I want to drop us into a piece of what Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And actually he wrote to them about a promise, about something that was available to them and actually is available to us right now. And this promise is like, it's the good stuff. It's like, really? Like who wouldn't want that? Yeah, okay, well, here it is. It's the promise that we can access the peace of God. Paul wrote to the church, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. In other words, even when things are upside down in your world, even when things are upside down in your head, even when the circumstances going on your life, on in your life that you didn't sign up for, that you didn't vote for, that if you could get rid of them, you would. Even in the midst of them, remember, this is the guy writing this letter from prison. He didn't vote for that. He didn't voluntarily go there. This is something that's against his will. He wrote to them, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. In other words, it makes no sense. When you look at your circumstances, this idea that you can have the peace of God in the worst circumstances possible makes no sense, but, but, it, but he's, he's double clicking on it, the peace of God, and it will guard your hearts and minds. He's using this term in a very literal sense. And the, and the people then who were occupied by the Roman Empire in that day, they would have known exactly what that means. This God, using the phrase God, was a very, very clear and obvious metaphor to them. That the peace of God will guard like a, like a soldier guards, a prisoner, like a warrior guards something of value. That the peace of God will stand guard and protect your hearts and minds. It's like who wouldn't want that? We don't always get to vote for our circumstances. We don't always get to change our circumstances. Sometimes the worst circumstances that we find ourselves in, by the way, sometimes which are self-inflicted wounds, might go longer than we ever thought imaginable, might be harder than we ever conceived was possible. And yet even in those, Paul say, even in those you and I, we can access the peace of God. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna keep reading. So let's do that. Because Paul then starts to talk about the pathway to accessing the peace of God. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think about such things. So look, just... I said this is going to be a bit disturbing, but this is actually hope-filled because the, the question that's worth asking is, 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 does this reflect your thought life right now? Is this, is this checklist pretty, is it typical or at least the majority of where your thoughts align? Because Paul's saying, this is the list. This is the pathway. This is the good stuff. And if, if you haven't been thinking like this, then let's learn, let's shift whatever, whatever is 
true, like just only the true things. Not the lies that other people tell you, not the lies you've told yourself, not the lies that the devil's been telling you, but what's actually true. Think about those things. This word noble, we don't use that one anymore really, but it means kind of what you would think it means, worthy of respect, dignified. Are these like high level dignified thoughts? Whatever is right, is this the right thing? Am I thinking about this right? Do I have the right perspective? Whatever is pure, undiluted, no gray areas, like the, the, the essence, the, 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 the good, the, the best. I like that he includes this one, lovely. Thoughts that when you think them, you're like, yeah, that's a good thought. That's a pleasing, oh, that's lovely. Whatever is admirable, commendable, think about such things. And then he goes on and reminds us, and the peace of God, which he's already said is available, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. The peace of God, sorry, and the God of peace will be with you. So he's talked about the peace of God. Now he's talking about the God of peace. And this one's kind of easy just to kind of read it and keep going. Like, yeah, read it, move on. Because we say, well, of course God's always with us. But, but he, Paul's not talking about that in this context. He's talking about we can have the same peace about our circumstances and in our circumstances that God has when we're in those circumstances. Do you know God doesn't worry? We, 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 we learn that God is seated on the throne. He's not pacing around the throne room. Oh, oh, I didn't see that coming. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Look at those circumstances. Oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm gonna do about this. I have no clue. Oh, you poor thing. Oh, let me pray for you. No, God is never pacing. God is seated on the throne at all times. And Paul's saying, not only can we experience the peace of God, we can experience the God of peace. We can experience the God of peace. Therefore, we can experience the peace of God. We can have the same peace <laughs> rolling around in this noggin of ours that God has at all times. And he gave us a clue about some of the things that we need to be thinking about. So, I started with some questions. I'm going to finish with some questions. But these are like, and by the way, the temptation when I read out some of these questions is going to be for you to think about someone else that should be asking these questions, that someone else might be sitting in the chair next to you. Uh, don't look at them. Don't elbow them. Don't pinch them. Don't write this down so that when you get home, you tell your kids what, this is you. This is me and this is you. Maybe, you know, get them to listen to the podcast, fine. Here's some, and I just want to throw these out there just to, just to jumpstart things. Uh, why are you avoiding that thing? Why are you avoiding that person? Why are you avoiding that conversation? Why are you putting that off? Uh, why won't you get help? 
which could be, why won't you see a counselor? Uh, what are you afraid of? And then I think like the most relevant question of all that you're probably asking yourself this morning is why doesn't Mark mind his own business? But uh, <laughs> um, let me pray as, as we finish today and finish this series. And, and like literally, literally, this series is titled, You'll Be Glad You Did. You don't have to, but you'll be glad you did. We're talking about advice, not rules, ad advice. And uh, I know sometimes it's difficult. I know sometimes other people might push back against us. Some people like the broken version of us. But, but, but when God calls us forward, He also empowers us to move forward. And so any of these sorts of questions and decisions and the things we've been teaching about, we're not expected. God doesn't expect us to do them in our own strength. Um, and people say, God won't ever give you more than you can handle, which you won't read in the Bible because it's simply not true. He will often give us more than we can handle because it'll drive us to rely on Him. To, 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 to bridge the gap, that we're not actually called to only live and do and move in what we can handle. We are called to partner with God that together we tackle things. So this is a classic beginning of the year series, new year, new you, all that good stuff, very intentional, um, yet it goes much <laughs> beyond January. And uh, so I hope that you've been if you've been tracking throughout January that you've been making some decisions. If you, those of you here for the first time today, which I've seen at first, if you've not familiar faces, it's great to have you with us. And uh, maybe God's just stirring some things in you. And I wanna pray for you right now. So Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you are the God of the impossible and you are the God that makes the impossible possible. God, I thank you that you love us and you meet us right where we're at and that you love us so much that you don't ever want us to just stay there, that you always are calling us and empowering us to become the version of us that you ultimately created us to be. So God, I pray even right now that, that there will be an increased sense of the God of peace and of the peace of God that is guarding hearts and minds. Maybe people who have been struggling with anxiety, depression, frustration, circumstances that, that seem like beyond our control and, and maybe even feel like they're never going to change. That we can have the God of peace and the peace of God and the power of God to keep us encouraged and moving forward in Jesus' name. Amen. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.